morning and welcome. Whether you're here in person or whether you're online, you're very welcome. And I pray that you will experience God's love and God's presence with you as we worship together this morning. I'm very conscious that as we meet together, um, our church seems to have suffered uh, another bout of COVID. Uh, there are quite a number of our congregation uh, who are isolating, um, either them because they have it themselves or because family members have it. So for those of you here, thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Um, that, uh, that COVID has actually affected our, our ministers and our diaconate, uh, and in fact, even our AV team. So bear with me. I'm having to do the AV from the front here. So um, bear with me as we worship this morning. David Wickersham will be bringing God's word to us a little bit later in the service, but let's begin with a call to worship. And I've taken it from the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 7, beginning at verse 9, and it reads as follows. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who were they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd, he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's a wonderful description of heaven as written by John in the book of Revelation. For many of us, it's rather a mysterious book with a lot of strange figurative speech. And yet in these few verses, we see before us that our salvation is clear and our welcome into our eternal, our eternal home and the presence of God is there as he lovingly cares for and shepherds those who love him and follow his son Jesus. As Charles Spurgeon wrote, Jesus does shepherd us now and he is close to us and cares for us now. But in heaven it will be so much more. The true Christian life when we live near to God is the rough draft of the life of full communion above. We've seen the artist make with his pencil or with his charcoal a bare outline of his picture. It is nothing more, but one could still guess what the finished picture will be from the sketch before you. 
And so our opening songs echo those words in Revelation. Salvation belongs to our God, followed by the Lord's my shepherd. Please stand or sit as you're able as we worship God and bring him our praise this morning. Let's stand together if you can.
be seated. Ryan and I are going to lead you in our contemporary prayer based on, the, on Psalm 23. We'll pray together. The Lord is my shepherd. My guide. My sat now. My personal trainer. My president. My prime minister. My mentor. The one I look to. I have everything I need. I want plenty of things, long for so much, desire a world of things. But what, Lord, do I need? He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Lord, we burn ourselves out at times, take on too much. Please help us to pause, to find moments of refreshment amidst the busyness. He renews my strength. We are so tired at times, so wrung out from the day. Renew our strength, Lord. Please give us patience and endurance. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. It's easy to get lost, to become distracted and lose our way. Please guide us in our decision-making this week, Lord. Even when I walk through the dark valley of evil, I will not be afraid. The news can be bad. It can frighten and overwhelm us. Help us to see it through your eyes. Give us comfort, compassion and courage. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Popular opinion informs us that there is nothing out there but you promise to always be with us to never leave us help us to remember that Lord in all that happens this week you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies enemies appear in many guises peer pressure cynicism rebuffs and negative criticism your word offers us a feast of encouragement Thank you, Lord. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. Help us to keep in mind that we are your prodigal children, welcomed home, forgiven, invited in. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and love will pursue me forever. I will live in the presence of the Lord all my days. Thank you for all the good things in our lives and the promise of fullness of life with you. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. wonder if I could ask you to stand again as we sing two further songs that invite us just to consider afresh the immeasurable and limitless love of God and enables us to respond in worship, trusting in his word, trusting in the cross, and in his faithfulness to each of us. Who is there like you? And then beautiful Lord, wonderful Saviour. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Who is 
Thank you. Please be seated. And uh, Ian is going to come and bring our reading and our prayers of intercession. Thank you, Ian. I don't know how you organize your prayer time at home, but as we bring our concerns for the world to God right now, I've decided that we'll use some of the prayer guides that uh, we use at home so that we will be praying alongside and together with others around the world who are similarly using these prayer guides. And we'll start right now by praying for the work of the BMS. Father God, we first join our prayers with the Baptists who bring to you the church planters supported by the BMS. As asked, we thank you, Father, for the Asia-Pacific Baptist Federation and their vision to encourage church planting among the unreached people groups. We ask that you will indeed raise up ten people to go to the five unreached areas that they are concerned with, that those there may learn of your love for them. And next we remember the work of Tear Fund working in Yemen. Father, you know that there are so many problems in that country. Conflict, lack of clean water, economic crisis are just some of them. We bring to you, Father, situations like this where Abdullah was unable to support his grandchildren because of being unable to work during a time of, well, failing eyesight. As a result, the family went hungry and the children were unable to go to school because of lack of clothes or materials. We thank you that Tear Fund's partner came to the rescue with food assistance and that they are now receiving an education. We want to thank you, Father, for all the work of Tear Fund in all its many guises. Give them wisdom that they may discern how best they can use the resources available for the greatest effect. So that other people around the world may be able to say with a dollar, praise God, I now face my problems without fear. And then, Father God, we thank you for our friends at Sat7 TV, that they were able to guide and help a 19-year-old viewer who told them how she had no one to talk to, and there were always fights and quarrels in her home. We thank you, Father, for the youth Facebook team that got in touch and were able to provide a listening ear and helpful advice. Again, we thank you, Father, that you have enabled Sat7 to be creative in their outreach. And we ask that you will continue to guide their work in all its many forms and help us too to be equally creative here in this church. And finally, Father, we want to offer up the prayer that Care Organisation have written for today. And it goes like this. God of grace, 
We pray that secularist attempts to abandon and uproot Christian principles and practices that have been the foundation of British culture for centuries will not succeed. Please help your people to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly, standing for grace and truth in Christ's name. Amen. We ask these things, Lord, believing that you both hear and will respond as we ask them in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so from bringing our requests to God, we'll now listen to what he has to say to us in the Bible reading that, as you can see, is taken from John chapter 14, and we are starting at verse 15. And it is in this passage, Jesus, who is speaking. And John records it like this. If you love me, you will obey my, what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace, I leave with you. Any peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. And we leave that injunction there. Thank you, Ian. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 read, Do not be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We all lead very busy and at times very stressful lives. We have many different responsibilities and challenges and issues that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And when you add to that all the concerns and worries of our world at the moment, sometimes we can feel a little exhausted and somewhat overwhelmed. So I thought this morning it might be helpful if we allowed a bit of time and some space in our worship to be still and at peace here together in God's presence and to allow him to speak to each of us individually according to our need or our situation. The worship group are going to sing the first verse of Be Still and Know That I Am God. And there'll be a time of quiet when you can bring your own prayers to God or sit, simply sit quietly in his presence and allow him by his spirit to minister to you. I'll then read a short reflection based on the song Be Still and Know. And after that, if there's something that you feel God has laid on your heart that you'd like to share with us this morning, you're more than welcome to do that. But first the worship group, and then a time of quiet together. Psalm 46, verse 10 reads, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be present here in this place, in this moment, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Clear your mind of all that has been and all that has taken place in this week and that will take place in the days to come. Be here now in heart and mind in the presence of God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Breathe deeply, slowly. Relax and rest here in the presence of the God who loves you. Be still and know that I am God. Know that right here, right now, God is here. God is ready to listen to the deepest concerns of our hearts and to pour his love and blessing upon each one of us and for those whom we may be praying this morning. Be still and know that I am God.
Exodus 3.14 says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. We gather here this morning in the presence of I am. Be still and know that I am God. Exodus 3.15 reads, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So let's remain seated as we sing together, be still and know that I am God. to God on Thursday and Dad and I were having this conversation he asked me a question he said did you know why I didn't use any tools on the stones and told you you couldn't use tools to hammer the stones to make the altar and I said no because usually when God asks me a question I usually don't know the answer and so he explained to me very carefully he said it's because I chose the stones and they fit together And that's why they're perfect. I chose those stones with all the bits and all the pieces on them. And that's what the altar is for. He then took me to his new book. 
So Dad said to me, he said, look at this book. And he said, the church is living stones. And I've chosen each one of those stones specially. I haven't asked you to knock bits off them. I haven't asked you to fashion them or to use iron tools on them. I've asked you to love them and care for them. Because each one of them is my special gift to the church to be used. And it's for that purpose. And it's a very interesting picture to look at when we look at the, the altar that they built in the first five books of the Bible and the church. God's chosen you, each one of you. And it's not to knock spots off you, not to cut pieces off, but because he loves you. And you are that special stone which he needs in this building. The other conversation we were talking about was don't look at what, look at who. The problem we have today is we look at what. What if, what problem, how do I deal with what? I've got this in front of me, what do I do? We need to look at who and we need to see what in whose eyes. As we look through Jesus' eyes, we can see it. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Anyone else would like to share anything this morning? Not a problem if you don't. We'll just move on. Very well. Let's continue in our worship. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into my willing soul. Let's sing, and then we'll invite David to come and bring God's word to us.
Good morning. Am I audible? Yes, good. Today we're going to be looking at John chapter 14, verses 23 to 27. And I might just explain that these verses follow on actually shortly after what we were hearing last week when Michael explained to us that new commandment that Jesus had brought to his disciples, that commandment that we love one another. But I need to give you the bigger context to make sure that you understand exactly how chapter 14 fits um, within the Gospel. John 13 features um, the, the Last Supper. And at the end of John 13, we see Judas Iscariot um, leaving the meal to betray Jesus. Going further on, of course, John 17 is Christ's priestly prayer. This is what he prays before he leaves for Gethsemane, featured in chapter 18, when Jesus is arrested. So chapters 14, 15 and 16 are exceedingly important. Jesus sees here the last opportunity to brief his disciples before the cross. They're precious moments, and in these three chapters, he's keen, obviously, to teach um, his disciples, to coach them, and to encourage them. And there are three chapters that are very well known. I, I recognise bits of it even from my childhood, when I went along for Scripture Union exams, we did sort of memory verses and things, and, uh, and there are some verses in these chapters uh, that I recognise. I should say that the three chapters are collectively often referred to as the farewell discourse, or sometimes the upper room discourse. It's that familiarity, the memory verse bit, that I just mentioned, because I think there's a certain peril that lies there. I do fear that sometimes familiarity with the scripture is something that's actually a little bit of a stumbling block. You see, they're words that sit so comfortably on our ears, don't they? But what we need to do if we're studying these verses is to understand just what extraordinary and radical ideas Jesus is sharing with his disciples. We also can't guess the impact that they had on those disciples. We know what lies ahead. We know, the, we know how, this, how this all turns out. We know that from here Jesus is to be arrested, that he's to be crucified. But in three days after that, he'll rise again. He'll ascend to heaven. And then in due course, we'll know Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples. They don't know any of this. So they're actually concerned. The disciples can't really quite get their head around what's going on. They know that something very serious is afoot. They know that Jesus is leaving. But it's the fact that amongst these extraordinary words that Jesus is explaining to them, they still have in their mind, is this the moment when Jesus is going to restore the kingdom on earth? Is he now going to 
chuck the Romans um, out, of uh, out of Jerusalem. It's just worth, I think, bearing that in mind because it all gives context to these words. So let's just in focus up on the words. Ian read them to us earlier, but if I may, I'll just repeat them. If anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give you as the world gives. What I want to do now, I did explain, didn't I, these verses just came very shortly after they had received that commandment to love one another. I'm going to do something rather extraordinary now. I want to read you another four verses, okay? Four verses that come at a very different time to very different people in a very different place. The only thing that's connected is that they too have just heard for the first time commandments. Ten, in fact. And I'm talking about the children of Israel. They'd escaped from Egypt. Moses was leading through the wilderness and they'd come to Mount Sinai. And it was there that Moses read the Ten Commandments to them. Exodus 20. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we'll listen. But don't have God speak to us or we'll die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Now I've just picked those verses out because I just want to explain to you when Jesus is talking the words that we just will now study, you need to understand that the, the legacy, if you like, of the children of Israel was that they had actually grown up to that understanding of God. A God who's, who's clothed in thick darkness, whose words will smite them down and they remain at a distance. He, being at the top of Mount Sinai, that is the image that comes from, if you like, the Torah and all of the previous dealings with the children of Israel. Now park that for a moment, and we'll come back and I'll make references a little later on. First of all, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. What does that verse mean to you? And how do you perceive it? Do you think Jesus is testing us? Just like Moses saying God was testing the children of Israel. Is he telling us that we better buckle down and keep his commandments if we're going to prove that we love him? 
Well, possibly, but you see it's double-edged, isn't it? Let's take another look at it. It has two clauses. It said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. For those that love Jesus, it's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise that he'll finish his work of grace. And although we stumble and fall, he will bring his work to conclusion in us. You see, it's our destiny if we share God's grace, if we share the divine nature, we won't be worrying about commandments. It's not a rule book. It will come from our nature. So it's a promise. If you came here today with crying out, if you like, like the psalmist, Psalm 51, my sins are ever before me. If you feel that you've let God down again, that in some way you're separated from the joy that you once knew, what are you going to do? Yes, we confess our sins, but we're not telling him anything that he doesn't know already. We're just acknowledging, aren't we, that we are unfinished work. But what then? Do we double down and keep his commandments, try harder and work? If anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. What is the prime mover? It's that we love Jesus, isn't it? So for you today, if you wish to re renew you the joy of your salvation, we look again, don't we, at Jesus. It's as we see in him the love that he has for us upon a cross. We're promised that we will be brought to that place where indeed we know obedience. There's another promise for those who love God, that love Jesus. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now this is radical and the reason why I read out those verses from Exodus 20 as much as anything just to sharpen up in focus the extraordinary difference that Jesus is expressing here. The Old Testament was full of extraordinary stories of deliverance and patience and forbearance and the love of God. But the strand that ran right through it was something to do with separation. Even in the tabernacle and the temple. It was intended to convey the idea of God amongst his people. But the truth is that God was only in the Holy of Holies. It was a place you couldn't go. It was beyond the veil. And the people kept their distance. Jesus is announcing a new regime. And in fact, Ken has already read some, some verses here that I've got from Revelation 21. Jesus is announcing a regime that leads on to that loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will be with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus is describing a God who is Abba, Father. He's not enveloped in thick darkness. He reaches out to us, you and me. He would wish to put his arms around us and enfold us. The third promise to those who love him is that the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, at this point, I will square with you. Putting a sermon together, this is the bit that I really struggled with. How can I put into three or four minutes a sermon about the Holy Spirit? I mean, this in itself would be worthy of many series and many, many sermons. But I perhaps just then should... I, I gave up every time. Um, but I will just point out the idea of the believers receiving the Holy Spirit was so important to Jesus, he revisited this in the farewell discourse four times. He even repeats things. Why is he repeating things? I just wonder if somehow he saw the disciples, did their eyes glaze over? Is it they perhaps couldn't possibly understand what lay ahead. They couldn't guess at what was going to happen a couple of months later at Pentecost when those tongues of fire would fall upon them where they would indeed receive the Holy Spirit in full radically transforming their lives granting them authority joy gifts of the Spirit fruit of the Spirit turn things for them upside down. That was the power and authority as they received the Holy Spirit. And Jesus here is making that announcement. In one of those occasions when Jesus refers to this, that we will receive the Holy Spirit, he confirms to us, of course, the Holy Spirit will be with us forever. This isn't something for just the, the, the disciples or the apostles. It's for you and me. Jesus knows he's standing at a watershed moment. He knows what's before him. He knows he's about to face the cross. And he knows that shortly is to arrive that moment prophesied by Joel who attributed to God the words, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Jesus knew that this was the moment when that was going to come true. And for you and me, I can't say more. I would love to speak more about the ministry of the Holy Spirit upon us. But his presence here today 
in your hearts and amongst us is of crucial importance to the authority of our church and the witness and testimony of Christ. It is indeed in us the mind of Christ who was with us but is now in us. So I haven't done it justice, but I must move on. Finally, Jesus promised to those who love him, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Peace is weird. And it's as I sort of think it over, what is peace? What does peace mean to me? The curious thing is, is that peace is slightly negative in a sense. It's a void. It's a, it's a void in that it's, it's what you're left with when the noise is turned, switched off. It's when war ceases. It's when finally anything undesirable goes away. Contention, pain, hardship. When it's gone, the vacuum or the void that's left, we call peace. But Jesus said, I'm not going to give you peace in the way that the world would give you peace. So, contention, pain, hardship, all of these things remain for us. He doesn't give us a free pass. He is giving us a different sort of peace. It's something positive and it's something that's powerful. It's something that speaks through the pain. It's something that speaks through the bereavement and all that we suffer. The peace that he offers is something enduring. It's that sure, bedrock assurance that we are eternally His. And that come what may, He is our God and He will enfold us. So in this farewell discourse, Jesus promised a number of things to those that love Him that we'll be delivered from our sins, that we'll discover God enfolding us and coming to us. He promises us the Holy Spirit. He promises us peace. And we do love him. We love him because he went from this to the cross. He was crucified to bear our sins. So yes, we love him. We love him because he first loved us. Let's close our service with a final song. Hallelujah, sing to Jesus. Here's the scepter, here's the throne. Here's the triumph, here's the victory alone. Let's stand together as we close our service.
Creator God, may your peace go with us wherever we will be this day. May you guide us through the challenges we face, protect us when in need and inspire us with your love. May we recognise your presence in the goodness that we see around us each day. And may you bring us home rejoicing to our place of rest when that day is done. Amen. Amen. And may God bless you as you go into this week.